Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is going on and welcome to another episode of the Urban Pitch Podcast, the beautiful game of life, part of the Believe Network. I'm Ramsey Abushala, editor of UrbanPitch.com. We got the cozy vibes on the couch today. We have uh, uh, the co-executive directors of Vibes, Bridget Flores and Julio Monterosa. What's going on, y'all? We in here. Out here doing a thing another week? <laughs> yeah, another week. We got another guest. Uh, we, have a, we have a Zoom. It's been a while <coughs> since we had a Zoom guest um, coming in uh, from Colorado and the Colorado Rapids. We got Keegan Rosenberry. Keegan, what's going on, man? What's up, guys? Thank you for having me. Looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. So um, just, just kind of getting started with you, man. Um, what uh give us a quick background quick intro you know your, your your growth in soccer because obviously you know you've had um you know we'll, we'll get into this uh a pretty uh, a pretty pretty stellar career so far things are still still on the on, on upswing but just kind of give us a quick background of you know where you grew up uh how how you kind of got into soccer and where it's taken you so so far uh, Do you like walks on the beach holding hands <laughs> all that great stuff yeah give us the, give us the whole the whole nine yards <laughs> your <Yeah>, elevator pitch <laughs> I'll try to uh, I'll try to work it in. Uh, no, I uh, I grew up in central Pennsylvania, um, Amish country for people that don't know Pennsylvania very well, uh, Lancaster County, um, about an hour and a half, maybe almost two hours from Philadelphia. Um, and I went to uh, I played youth soccer in and around Philadelphia, Downingtown area. Um, was involved with the Philadelphia Union Academy a little bit um, before going to Georgetown University in Washington D.C. Um, was kind of close to being a homegrown player for the Philadelphia Union before that and kind of during, before the draft. Uh, then got drafted by the Philadelphia Union, ironically, after the homegrown claim was denied. Got drafted there in 2016. Um, was in Philadelphia for three years before getting traded to Colorado in 2019. Um, and this is my fifth season in Colorado. Um, in terms of getting into soccer, uh, my I, I always talk about my dad. My dad is a, was and is a huge influence on me. Um, a lot of personal like coaching uh, early on. He was a, a player for uh, you know uh, a good period of time in, in his uh, youth years, and then all the way up in in, in college. Um, kind of just looked up to him as a lot of you know kids do with their dads, and, and just thinking that he was the best player ever. I just wanted to be like him and, and do everything like he did. So um, continues to always check in on me, and and is such a big influence on me in terms of. Uh, my work ethic and um, just kind of standards for myself and the, and the way that I drive and push myself every day. So um, a lot to be thankful for and in a great upbringing, you know, my mom as well, not, nothing um, right. you know, yeah. bad to, bad to say about my mom is obviously, but um, I don't know, just, uh, just more athletically and, and soccer wise, it was kind of always my dad. It was always me and him. It was kind of our thing. And um, yeah. And still, uh, you know, really value that relationship to, to this day. Yeah, and going the college route, um, you, you know, now you've seen, I mean, because that was once like kind of the main pipeline to, to MLS and now with the, the growth of the academies and being part of the Philadelphia Academy. But uh, what was like going to the, the, the college route instead? Uh, do you feel kind of like, because a, a, we've talked about this with some of the other MLS draft picks that, that uh, we've had on the show. Do you feel like, a, you know, do, do you do a nod to other other uh, super draft uh, uh, picks? Uh, is there like a, a brotherhood that or fraternity that uh, exists between, you know, guys who went the college route? BetOnline remains your number one source for all your college basketball betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at BetOnline. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at BetOnline. 
Updated odds for everything from live games, the conference championships, right through the final four and championship game. Bet Online is your college basketball headquarters this season. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Be sure to use our promo code, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting, um, you know, being in the league for uh, a good amount of time now and just learning how, you know, seeing young kids in our locker room that are that are growing up in the pro environment, environment versus the college environment like I would have and trying to put myself in their shoes at 16, 17, 18 and, um, and going through those impactful like maturation years and, and trying to think how I would have been as a, as a kid still, still growing, still, you know, going through puberty. I feel like I still am now, but uh, you know, just maturing at like at those ages and still kind of trying to figure out, you know, I felt like college was super valuable for me in, in learning kind of how to, just interact with teammates, you know, having, having a couple senior guys when you first get to camp, like tell you to pick up balls and like, remember to bring equipment and like, you know, getting treated like that. And not to say that you don't have some, some senior guys in the locker room and professional teams talk down to players, but it's just different. You know, everybody still comes and, and gets paid to play. Everybody still kind of has a sense of entitlement. Um, it, it's just different. And, and I, uh, I'm really thankful for, for the way that I went about it um, for, you know, being able to mature in that setting versus um, a little bit more of a cutthroat setting, uh, which can be the professional environment. Mm-hmm. So some um, pe- it's interesting. Yeah, some people say the college game does hurt because uh, they're only allowed to practice four months out of the year opposed to being in that pro setting where you can practice at all times. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's definitely a valid point. Um, you know, I think the top programs in the country in college still encourage uh, although there are regulations and rules um, in terms of hours on the field and how many, how much uh, the coach can be involved in certain times a year, um, you know, they encourage all their guys and try to set up everybody in the summers to be on PDL teams, to be on summer teams, to go and train with MLS teams, um, and then also, you know, there's there's player red training, player led training in the spring whenever you know some of those hours do conflict with. So I mean, yeah, it, like I said, it's valid. You know, you don't have those regulations when it comes to academy training and, and guys playing. Um, you know, training with pro teams, but, um, you know, there still is a, a standard that's demanded of, of the players and the groups of, of the programs that want to be, you know, compete at the highest level. Yeah. And, and you went to Georgetown. Um, our, our, our guy, J- Jeremy Rist, who's a contributor for Urban Pitch, he's been on the podcast before. His brother, Jared, played with you at, at Georgetown. We try to get dig up some dirt on you. Uh, and, you know, he said you're just pretty stri- strictly professional, you know, <laughs> one about your business. I don't know if he was being a good teammate or, or if, if, if that was actually the, the, the truth. Uh, uh, what was, what was the, the, the Georgetown experience like? What was that uh, recruiting uh, a period like for you, and, and why did you ultimately choose to go to, to, to Georgetown? Is that Jared o- J- Odenbeck we're talking about? No, Jared Rist. Oh, Rist. Oh, my word. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's, that's really cool, man. I haven't talked to him in a long time. Uh, Really enjoyed my time playing with him. Great dude. Uh, pretty sure it was valedictorian of his high school, by the way. So that's probably one of my first points that I would bring up about Georgetown is school was so difficult. And I'm, I like to think that I was like a relatively good student in high school, you know, SAT wise, diligent um, in my work ethic in the classroom, but I did not do well enough to get into Georgetown like alone. You know, obviously soccer helped me big time when it came to admissions and getting into that school and 
And the challenge was I was competing in the classroom with kids like Jared or like, you know, the rest of the population that went there and got accepted there were really, really smart kids and really, um, you know, driven people that were, um, you know, you name it across the world. And uh, especially in the business school, there's a relative curve. So only a certain amount of people could get A's, a certain amount of people could get B's. So needless to say, it was challenging. Uh, And, and that was, um, again, such a huge part of, of me growing up and me learning how to handle my business and figure out how to balance these things and try to be an elite athlete, but also keep my head above water in the classroom to be able to play. And, um, and all of that, you know, while trying to have somewhat of a social life and, and kind of, and be a captain, be a, be a team leader, um, hold myself to a certain standard, like I said, so um, challenging, but like I said before in the previous question, so thankful for um, right. that environment in which I could mature in and grow up in and, and have lifelong friends, that, um, friendships that I've maintained till now. And, um, and looking back at, you almost think you didn't quite have enough time to, to take it all in and enjoy it, mm-hmm. you know, looking around at like just what the campus looks like and the, and the, the city that we're in and going to Georgetown basketball games and things like that. You don't, you don't quite appreciate it until it's gone. And I think that's like a lot of things in life, but um, still very, very thankful for my time there. It was, you know, I can't ask for anything more. I, I, as you're, as you're sharing, you know, like you being a student athlete at Georgetown, do you feel like you had enough support to, to manage being like an athlete and a student at the same time? Or do you think that there could be more, more work to be done in, in supporting student athletes in, um, in, you know, call, uh, collegiate levels? Cause I'm curious about that. I know I had friends who were uh, student athletes when I was in college and I know some of them either struggled or found ways to make things work for them. Um, and, you know, that's something that I've always been curious about, like how student athletes feel with that kind of support. Like, is it enough is, or should there be more, especially you, you know, coming from that background? Yeah, I think, you know, I don't obviously know how all schools and programs work, but I think at the end of the day, all of the athletic programs want you to succeed. And that's not just in sports, but that's in the classroom. So they put us in positions. We have academic advisors. We have people that we can go to, to push us in the right direction, to, um, advise us to maybe, you know, go to this professor's office hours, go to, um, go see this TA about, um, little things that can, that can put you in a better light that can look like, you know, you might be really struggling with the material. You might find it really difficult in the classroom. You might not quite be understanding what the professor has given you, but I think it was, it was really helpful to be able to be, um, advised and just guided and, um, given those resources to be able to know, okay, I might not be, you know, firing on all cylinders and figuring out how to perform in a classroom, but at least I know, okay, I can go see this professor at this time. I can talk to him. I can maybe get to know him. I can, you know, try my best to, you know, do, do other things outside the classroom. Um, and I think they did a good job of that. I, I think at times, I think uh, a lot of, you know, guys on the team could have, could have maybe hoped for more help, but I think, you know, at a certain point it is on you to, to figure it out. And I think that's part of that um, process of growing up. It's part of that, you know, trying to figure out how to balance the, the sports and the, and the academics. And um, yeah, it wasn't easy, but uh, yeah, I do feel like athletics as a whole, they, they try to look after, they try to, um, like I said, push us in the right direction, get us in touch with the right people. Um, 
can't speak for the basketball cr- program. I think they might have had a little extra help, you know, that's a little more uh, <laughs> oh, oh. blue blood, you know, sport, sport right, at Georgetown. Right. But. Yeah. Of course. No, you got to ask the senior guys which class is easy which and go to rate my professor. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't give homework and pick that class? <laughs> That's, that's the that's the gorilla student right there. That's hey, a, as a student a, athlete, you gotta find. I, I, that's what I did. I, hey, which which class is easy? Well, professor doesn't leave homework, <laughs> and like just go to rate my professor, look at the reviews, and go go on that. I was and, definitely on there too. There you go. There, there you go. go. That's what I meant by making it work. Yeah, you gotta make it work. Um, yeah, but, but moving on to the pros now. So you get drafted by by um, you know your hometown team. Uh, the uh, in Philadelphia, uh, you go on to start and play in every single game. Uh, your rookie season, making an MLS All Star game. Uh, what what was that like rookie experience like for you? Like how how do you reflect on it now, being in the league for so long, and um, just just how were you able to make that transition um, seemingly so so seamlessly? Yeah, I um, man, it's uh, I can't believe it was that long ago. It's kind of crazy, but um, just so thankful to be to be in a, in, in a team in an environment where the, the staff believed in me, gave me a chance. Um, you know, I always say that there's so many other players out of college, even now, right. That come out that have the same talent, same work ethic, same everything, maybe even more, but um, you still have to have a staff or a coaching staff or a coach that believes in you to put you on the field, to give you the chance to begin with. And, and I was lucky enough to have that. Um, don't get me wrong. I mean, you have to take advantage of that opportunity and perform once you get it, but, um, you know, so many of those careers don't even get that chance to, to start because you don't get that chance. Um, and so from, from game one, uh, home opener was against new England. I think I was team of the week. It was like, it, it was such a, such a fortunate start for me because I feel like it, it kickstarted everything, right? Like my, my confidence was so high after that. I think the coaches had every reason to believe in me after that. Um, we as a team went on a really good run before the all-star, uh, break, which, kind of led, you know, um, led itself, lended itself to me getting voted to the all-star team, um, you know, as a defender, as a rookie, as uh, a guy that doesn't really, you know, score a lot of goals, get a ton of assists. Um, it was only be- because our team was doing so well um, that gave me the chance to kind of stand out and, oh, you know, this guy's, this rookie kid is having like a, a good season on a good team. And, um, and it was kind of just a perfect storm. And um, like I said, you know, very proud of myself uh, or, performing under that pressure, you know, those first couple starts and, and, um, and taking advantage of the opportunity, but um, just so thankful for the opportunity to be able to play and, and play very often. Um, and even for the, all three of the years I was there, um, you know, my career wouldn't continue to be trending in the direction it's trending without those first couple of years. And especially that first season, um, you know, that kind of put me on the radar, uh, all of the, the coaches in the league, all of the, the players in the league were able to see me perform. You know, I, I played against every team and and that kind of pushed me forward. That that, you know, really jump started my career, like you said. So do you think that early success uh helped? Like in meaning sometimes people say, Hey, you know what? Getting all that early success uh kinda hindered my career for the simple reason that where do I go from here? You've been an all star from year one. Do you think that helped or did that push you or give you more drive? to get back to that all-star uh, level? Yeah, I think it, it, it's always maybe a little bit of a double-edged sword, right? Like it's, it definitely, um, like for all those reasons that I listed before, projected or, or kind of set my career in the right direction and, and 
you know, could, could give me all of the potential to have a really good career play all the time, you know, um, you know, start a lot of games, um, uh, you know, hopefully be on good teams, but um, there's also that, there's also kind of that bar that's being set. And um, I, I think for the most part, you know, I had great people around me and, and a good head on my shoulders to be able to, to know that all those things kind of have to, it has to be a perfect storm to get voted to the all-star team. The all-star team, is, you know, you, you look across every sport is it's, it's, there's a lot of things that go into it. You know, a lot of people talk about politics and writers voting on it and, and coaches and players and you know, so many things have to go right. You know, you look at even like the NBA right now, like people don't want to give Jokic the MVP because it's three years in a row. People are getting bored of it. But by every statistical measure, like it's far and away the best player in the league. So I don't know. This sounds like a little bias in there. It yeah. Like bias. I don't know. Is that, is that Denver love <laughs> right fair, there? <laughs> To be fair, I mean, I'm a Sixers fan, so I should be pulling for MVP. Oh, okay. Uh, All right. Yeah, you got a little but, bit of both. Yeah, okay. But if you get floor seats to the next Denver game, we know something was up. <laughs> <laughs> you made something happen. Yeah, we'll see, but, we'll see uh, on court side. <laughs> um, but I think all that being said, I, I knew even in the moment, like, I could go my whole career play just as well as this and still not get voted to an All-Star team again. Mm -hmm. So it was just – me kind of telling myself that to be able to soak in that week and meet those players and be involved in, in that team, which I still look back on now and I'm like, how, why, like, why did this deserve to be there? And he's got like <laughs> lining up in a starting 11 photo with like Drogba, Kaká, like Dos Santos, all these guys. Like, I was like, what's going on here? That's like a, a special, a special thing that you look back to and you obviously, it gives you that motivation to continue to work hard to eventually get there again, but also it's an accomplishment that you made happen. And, um, as you think back to that year that you got drafted and you, you know, you started off your year so strong, I feel like looking at it from an outside perspective, like there, it looks like you went in and you went in, like you went all out, like you had no fear. You were just going, you know, like you were focused on where, where you were at, but for you in that experience, was there anything like, what was it that, that you were thinking about in that moment? Like, you know, creating, you know, making your debut happen, making, um, yourself the, the a player that stood out like what was it that would be in the back of your head like maybe was there anything that was like you were nervous about but you obviously from an outside perspective again like you can't see that you don't see that yeah I think other than like a couple um kind of random youth team appearances with the academy uh I hadn't actually played in that stadium with with like fans before or to be honest hadn't really played in front of more than maybe a thousand, 2000 fans before. So that was, that quickly was like the first thing I was like, like just walking out uh, before the game started. It was just like, you know, a little bit of goosebumps and just like, man, this is like really cool. And, right. uh, and after that, like once the game started, it kind of just kicks in, you get in, you get into just, you know, what you've been like, like people don't understand that a month and a half prior to that, we had been training like preseason is kind of the worst part of the year. And you're just, you got two days, you're just nonstop. It's, it's all like soccer all the time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, especially for the young guys, you've got some rookie duties, you're carrying stuff, you're, you're helping out wherever you can and just trying to fit in, trying to not cause any problems, not get in the way of people pretty much. And, uh, and so there was, a, there was so much work that went into that before that first game happened. Um, and so for that reason, I was excited. I was excited to get the chance because I felt like I was ready after all that work had been put in. But I, I do remember that sticking out to me. It was just like, 
you know, kind of that first breath of just the environment and, and that home crowd. And this is the, the team that I play for now, all these people are here to support us and um, such a cool feeling, you know, such a, that, that's, you know, that's what you grow up like thinking about. That's what you dream about. And uh, yeah, still, um, still kind of have those feelings when you walk out and, and see a crowd like that. So. What was the first MLS moment? Uh, what player you, you're like, all right, well, I'm here now. Like, like somebody's first touch, somebody went over, went around you and you were like, oh, wait, I wasn't expecting that. It's a different level of game. What was that MLS moment for you? That Who did you play against when you were like, yep, I'm here now? So I actually might have misspoke that the game I keep talking about was our second game of the year. Um, so it was my home debut, but our, mm. my official debut was away to Dallas and uh, I'm going to blank on his name, but um, Fabian Castillo, I think, I think that was his first name. I uh, used to play, he was a left player for Dallas, he used to play, I think he went to Turkey somewhere like soon after that, but easily to this day, like one of the fastest swingers I'd ever played against. And uh, it was like, the, I mean, I, I had like a pretty good game, obviously enough to, to start the next week at home and uh, did okay with the ball, made a couple of good defensive plays, but there were a couple of times when he just like, one of those touches that you'll see like Neymar or Mbappe take where they just hit it like 30 yards past you and start running. And I was just like, <laughs> this guy was so fast. Like I, 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 It wasn't possible for me to give him enough of a cushion to be able to defend him. It was so bad. So I, I'd be actually curious to look back at some of the film, but it was, uh, it was a rude awakening to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so you get traded. You get traded to Colorado. Um, that's not something that, you know, most people will experience in their lives where it's like, hey, man, um, pack your bags. You're, you're heading across the country. Uh, what was going through your head um, in that moment? Um, you know, how did you find out? And, um, you know, leaving, you, you know, the, the team that you kind of grew up uh, playing with a little bit, you know, you, you're from uh, the, the area. What was it like kind of having to, to go through that? Yeah, it was, um, it was definitely a shock to me. It was, uh, I didn't really have much knowledge of it going in. Uh, I'd started like 32 of 34 games that year, uh, in 2018 leading up to it. Um, kind of got the first wind of it, uh, maybe a week prior, just kind of my agent saying, oh, they might be kind of shopping you. They might be you know, looking around and, and that happens very often, you know, and, and something may not even come of it. So, um, didn't think too much of it. And then like a week later, I got a call from the head coach and it was just like, Hey, we, reached an agreement with Colorado. Um, and that was, that was really it. Um, I, I still, for reasons that I've talked about already was, you know, I was disappointed in a way. It was, it was a place that I had found some success, some comfort, obviously being close to home. Um, wife's family wasn't far away in, in Boston, in the Boston area and, um, you know, not being far away from where we met in Georgetown. Um, but at the same time, you know, in the back of my mind, it's like, you know, this isn't tragic. I'm still getting to play soccer for a living. Like I'm still, you know, playing for professional clubs doing what I love. It's, it's just a, you know, just a big change. Um, in that, in that vein of thinking, you know, I, I've been to Denver and, and Colorado to play maybe one, two away matches, but other than that, didn't know a lot about it. Um, and was kind of anxious, uh, a little bit scared, just, you know, the unknown, it was, um, didn't know what to think, but, um, Soon after that, was contacted by the GM and the head coach of Colorado at the time, and um, and that immediately had had just given me a ton of confidence in kind of saying how, you know, I was one of the top targets on their list for outside backs and the style of play, and kind of just listed all these things that I do well, how it fits into their system, and what they see for the team, and some of the acquisitions they had made that year. Um, Kai Kamara, Kellen had Kellen Acosta had just gone there the year prior. Diego Rubio had come that year. 
um, a lot of interesting pieces that were kind of coming in that was that was exciting. Um, and I felt from from the first day I got there. So actually, I went to January camp. So that was uh, January of nineteen, and showed up to preseason midway through, kind of late. Um, but from the first day I got there, I was immediately treated like more of a senior player. Um, and I think could be wrong, but until I had, until I had left the, the union, I don't think that would have been the case. Just because that was where I was drafted. I was called, you know, you're always kind of seen as the rookie until maybe the, the turnover is so much that you're not. Um, but that, that immediately was just such a confidence boost for me and, um, and just gave me such a good feeling to be able to feel comfortable right away and, um, and perform and, and feel at home and, and interact in a way that I felt comfortable. And so, um, ironically, you know, unfortunately we started like 12, 13 games without a win, went through three coaches that year, um, missed the playoffs was, was not a great start to the, to the Rapids tenure, but, um, eventually landed on our head coach now, Robin Frazier. And from there, uh, again, nothing but good things to say. Um, another coach, another staff that's believed in me and, and put me on the field quite often. And, um, just a, a great manager to play for, super transparent, articulates his thoughts and views and, and um, uh, tactics very, very clearly. Um, and yeah, I've, uh, we've been really happy here. So. Do you circle that game against the Union every time you play in them? Beginning <laughs> of the season? <laughs> um, I, maybe not as much anymore because the player turnover has been so much. I feel like I only, other than Jim, you know, head coach, Andre Blake, Jack Elliott, uh, a couple of the trainers, uh, Alejandro Bedoya. But, man, there's like it, – it, it goes quick. You know, every year the, the turnover, that's what you kind of begin to realize is, as – long as I've been around, even for our team, it, it just happens so, so much and you lose friends so quickly. But um, yeah, the, for the first time we went back in 19, we played away uh, at Philly. That was, um, we actually, so we were having a pretty bad year and we ended up going there and getting a one, one draw and we played like a super rotated lineup. So I was pretty happy with that, but, but we went there this year and lost like, I don't know, six, zero, five, six, zero. So that wasn't, that wasn't cool. But... <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, let's go to the next topic. Yeah. <laughs> no, but... <laughs> Uh, but you think of Colorado, you think of, of Denver, and you think of, you know, Maha City, uh, the, the altitude, um, and just getting um, a, a, a chance to um, get acclimated to that atmosphere. You know, it's not, it's not very, very easy. How, how was that trans transition from you, for you? And now, you know, having been there for, for quite some time, like, is it just like second nature to you? Or do you still have to kind of get that fitness before season? Um. Yeah, so when we played here with Philadelphia, I think the first time we played here was maybe 16. I think we came back one other time. The altitude is is really, really noticeable. It's kind of crazy. So especially that first training session, when you do that first warm-up and you kind of breathe hard for the first time, it's just like you're you're so quickly short of breath. And we kind of approached it two different ways the two times we went. We went right before the game, and the next time we went like three days before to try to acclimate a little bit more. Um, but I, I don't think you can really get around it. It's like, like even us – we train for a week, then we play a game. We have a recovery day and then an off day. The day, the first day back from that off day, like that first warm up, that first hard run, it's the same feel. I mean, you get like, I think we have a little bit more oxygen in our blood because we sleep here, we stay here, we live here. But still, that first like training session after an off day still kicks your butt. I mean, it's it's not cool. <laughs> it's not fun. Were there any tips to getting around that 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 you have to to some of the new guys coming in, or were there any tips that you were given when when, when you came in? 
Not really. No, it's just, uh, it just takes some time. Yeah. You know, in general, uh, us as soccer players are relatively fit. It, you, you don't take a ton of time to acclimate, but, um, it's just kind of being comfortable, being uncomfortable. You know, you talk about it a lot of time, whenever you build that fitness level in preseason, it's just be okay with feeling completely gassed and mm -hmm. it's pretty, you know, way easier said than done. But, um, we have, uh, like, uh, some oxygen, like backpacks going around the guys carrying it in the locker room at like halftime and stuff. But, um, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't really help that much. You're going to like, you're either fit or you're not at that point. Um, but it's, it's definitely an advantage, like hosting teams here. I mean, 60 minutes in, like teams are, teams are gas. I mean, we have, a, we have a pretty good record, uh, at home for, for the time I've been here. And I think probably for the Rapids in general. So my oldest brother lives in Denver. I went to go visit him 2019. And I was wondering, like, why am I so tired? I thought I was out of shape, but now I get it. It's just the altitude. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. No, no you're, you're, you're just, it's altitude. I'm yeah. okay. It's, it's altitude. You. You're you're not you're not fit. <laughs> <laughs> what it all about, makes sense now. It all makes sense. <laughs> so obviously, like you said, right? It's it's not something that you really get used to, but you have that advantage that you're there. You sleep there. What other places have you played at that have been like? A more difficult playing field that you that you just that like really like gassed you or like had you it was like really hard to get used to um i actually i can't stand humidity and i think it's probably gotten worse since i've moved here because air is so dry you're a little bit higher up you know you're in the mountains the air is so so clear but like houston orlando anywhere in texas i guess in the middle of the summer those games like the um the MLS's back tournament in 2020, the first thing oh, back from yeah. COVID in Orlando. Yeah. Yeah. Like those games. So I came back after that long break and my first game was like our second game down there. We went down, we went, we had two men sent off. So a little bit extra running. It's humid as, you know, as all hell. And then we had 12 minutes of, of extra time. I was, <laughs> I was a shell of myself. I probably looked like, when I get tired, I get like real droopy and like uh -huh. everything just kind of becomes weak. I look terrible. It, it's it's bad, but humidity really kicks my butt. It just takes like, you know, all the fluid, all the electrolytes out of you. And uh, I struggle way more with that than, um, than the altitude. Um, so there's been very vivid memories in Houston. I would say Houston, Orlando more so than any others. Uh, you know, Austin and, and Dallas, you still feel it, but I don't know why. I think it's, I don't know what it is about Houston, but Orlando as well. Yeah, and, and match fitness is something that, that I think that you've um, – that's been one of your strong suits because, I mean, like I, like we mentioned earlier, you played every match your, your rookie season. You've done it um, uh, again later in your career. Um, what's your mentality like in, in staying fit throughout the season? Um, because, like, with all the travel, you know, the physicality of the league, um, playing in MLS, like, it's, 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 it's a pretty strenuous season um, schedule. So, so like, how, how do you approach that? And do you take pride in, in, you know, it seems like you do. Like, you mentioned some of your stats earlier. Like, you mentioned uh, you're playing in, in uh, X amount of matches and, and, and all that. So, so what, what's your approach to all that? Yeah, it is. Uh, it's definitely something that I am proud of. Uh, you know, I think that cliche of the best ability is availability. And, you know, for me, a lot of times if I am available, I'm going to be selected to play. And I, like I said, I've been so fortunate to, to be on teams where coaches believe in me like that. But um, man, like before when I talked about guys coming into the league, having the same talent, same work ethic, same everything as me, but they just don't get that chance. Like there's so many players that have all those same things and just have a lot of injuries or have the injury bug or 
run into such bad luck with a string of injuries and and then they're healthy but then they lost their chance at like that first opportunity and now they're kind of labeled as like an injury guy and so again just so grateful so thankful uh genetics a little bit of luck a little bit of um you know the the training staff and the and the coaching staff and the teams running running the sessions in a way that prepares you well for the for the games on the weekend as opposed to just you know crushing you during the week with heavy loading and you're not able to you know feel fit and, and have no injuries throughout the season so it's it's um it's so many things um but i feel like don't get me wrong you know i, I try to do it as much as i can on my end you know, eat sleeping um you know getting in the, in the gym and, and trying to do preventative uh prehab work and trying to be strong in in that regard but um but again you can do all those things and you can pull muscle roll an ankle get into a challenge land wrong you know get hit in the head by a ball like like you know it's there's a lot of there's a there's a little bit of luck in there too for sure i feel motivated to go work out after this so thank you <laughs> after my be- after my beer tonight I swear i'm going for a mile right we're, we're doing cold plunges i'm cold gonna wake plunges, up with the beer first yeah. The beer yeah. Yeah. It's about a C4. This is, you see, this is why I can't stay stick to my fitness journey because Julio is a bad influence on me. She's going to have a beer with me. That's what she's trying to say. <laughs> she's, she's also easily influenced. Yeah, drink along. Yeah. 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 You've got to be a good friend. Like. <laughs> okay, so I have a question for you. Um, how I'm curious to know, what does the, the, the kit reveal to the team, to the mm. players, look like? What is that process like and what was that like for you for you for you all this year what does it look like when they reveal it to us yeah or when we reveal it like for the first time to the fan to us yeah to you um it's really like anticlimactic to be honest like (laughs) normally our equipment guy will kind of get word of it and like we'll kind of start asking like oh what's next year's look like and like oh they'll maybe give us some ideas or like the base color um but there's not like a moment altogether where we see it for the first time. Uh, I guess on media day would be the first time we're actually able to put it on and kind of mm-hmm. see it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then it's like, when you do media day, you do go on like stations and you're going to a bunch of different things at once and guys come in at different times and you don't really see everyone. So um, yeah, it's kind of, unfortunately, I, I probably not the answer or type of event you're looking for. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I do love our kids. I, uh, I think they did a really good job. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, uh, we kind of. I think we had a better kit reveal for him. I know, no. So the uh, the, the Rapids, uh, we, were, we were fortunate enough to to get sent over a couple of kits, um, and you know they're some of our favorites from from this year as yeah. well. Um, you know, I think that the overall design and, and the message behind it is is um, you know super super cool, and um, you know they they look great. So that's like objective number one, and then you know just have a connection to to the the city, working with the the artist Pat Milbury, and and all that. I think was 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 pretty cool from the club. We had a whole face expression like, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I really I really was expecting you to say like, oh, you know, we had a whole like. Uh, they made hot chocolate. Hot, they got together. You know. you know, one of you got to unbox the. Hold the string. You the know jersey what? fell from the sky. <laughs> next year. Next year. Yeah. You should talk to somebody to, yeah. to hype it I'll up a little it. bit more. I'll put the idea. I'll put yeah. the idea. Let them, like let them know I, I, I thought of it. <laughs> and and if the they need help. Yeah, if they yeah, need help, she's always wanting the credit. Me. She always wants the credit for everything. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, if you get a budget, let us know. We'll we'll set it up for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. We'll fly out there to help. We'll fly out there. That's the budget for us. 
Yeah, ninety percent of the budget is travel allocations. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Like something's not adding up here. We'll show up with the supplies and everything. Don't have much to work with after that. But, uh. Right. <laughs> we'll just throw the jersey. Here you go. Look. <laughs> uh, now, but keeping things uh, off the pitch. Uh, word on the street is you're the team barber. What, how, how did that kind of uh, manifest itself? How do you get guys to, because I mean, I know speaking from experience, like you have like a special relationship with your barber that, you know, like you, you don't want to, uh, uh, you don't th break. There's a bond there. So like, how do you, how do you gain the trust of, of, your, of, your, of your teammates? We have a joke when our friends said, we will cheat on our girls, but not our barbers. So, like, <laughs> that's a real special connection. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> this is why I'm single. Because of him. <laughs> I started. Um, I started cutting hair in college. Uh, I was. Uh, I was a freshman. I had a teammate that cut hair for the team, and um, and he kind of showed me a couple things. Uh, he was about to leave the team, like he's a year older than I was, and I kind of wanted to have that torch passed on and kind of do it for the guys. You don't really have any spare change in college, especially in DC, to go get a haircut. So. Um, there's something that interested me, uh, you know, I'm a very, I'm kind of a perfectionist. I'm very precise with things and kind of like, at the end of the day, actually, I really like doing it. And so that's what kind of drove it, drove it as well. And, um, eventually through that as well, I learned to cut my own hair. So that's obviously been, you know, a way to save money myself I can do it whenever I want. I can do it every game. So, um, but I mean, it's basically, I mean, people trust me because as new players come to the team, they see the guys that I have cut and apparently uh according to them you know it looks it looks all right for them to be able to trust me and, and sit down and um and let me have at it but uh it's been it's been really fun uh it's been such a cool way you know like i said for new guys on the team that come to sit down and get to know them in a different way um like you said there's a, there's a little bit different trust for somebody that's cutting your hair especially um as you could guess you know professional athletes a little particular about the way they look sometimes so yeah you're on tv um, man you're on tv you gotta i like to good. think that i <laughs> uh so apparently you know I'm, I'm doing okay with that but uh yeah you know just being able to kind of have different conversations and um get to know guys mm -hmm. uh in, in that way and um i think in preseason and some of those longer away trips really comes in handy with you know people not having you know the ability or, or knowledge of where to go in a, in a different city to to get their hair cut um so i'm definitely a little busier on those trips but uh <laughs> it's a little bit a little bit side side earning so it's not bad how are you with um, designs? Do they ask for designs? I don't do a lot of, I don't do a lot of designs. I've done a couple before, um, but it's not, it's not a very common ask. Like uh, sometimes like a hard part or just a straight line or a couple like, you know, a couple like stripes on the side, but um, I don't know if it's a dying art or if, if people aren't into it anymore, <laughs> but don't do too many of those. Yeah, Bridget's thinking about 2001 <laughs> when people had Tupac in the back of their head. <laughs> never know <laughs> hey you know what can you do the flag right here like to the back yeah. no like all, you and the whole team just get matching designs uh, no. <laughs> yeah I, I, have you ever have you ever like messed someone's hair up or made a mistake or you know how how, how do you go about that like do you, do you cover it up do you like, how do you fix the headline that you there? push back yeah <laughs> um i've only really ever made like a really bad mistake once and that was still a guy in college when i was still kind of early on um because the, the worst mistake you can make is is like going really really high with with too low of a guard or, or like skinning somebody really high or like a guard falls off and then like and right. so that only happened one time so it ended stuff. up just being like a high and tight like the, the this the skin <laughs> just went like the the fade line went really really high but 
honestly, like every haircut has a little bit of, you know, variability and, and the way it actually works or, or the way it comes together. And so if I actually do make a small mistake, there's no like, like I don't react and like, and, and actually admit that I've made a mistake. I kind of just keep working it until it's <laughs> right. not noticeable or it doesn't, yeah. you know, like it just kind of, the, the, the haircut like continues to evolve as I'm like cutting. So if that makes sense. Yeah. And half the time people are too, I feel like sometimes when people get haircuts, they're not, they're too shy to say anything if they don't like it. So I'll say something. I'll say something. <laughs> but, but for yeah, him no, as definitely. his teammates, they probably are like, oh. It, it looks great, man. It looks yeah. great. Yeah. Thank like, you. <laughs> That's like one of the first things or what I hope to communicate to people is like, listen, we're teammates. This is not your typical barber. I'm not a professional. Like, tell me if you see something or like, tell me exactly what you think. Cause like, I'll stand here and fix it. Like when I used to go to the barber, you feel like maybe one time you'll say, oh, do you mind like just taking this up a little or to like touching the spot up a little, but then like the next time or like three times you feel like you're inconveniencing the guy and you feel like silly about it, which is dumb because you're paying like usually pretty right. good money for a yeah. good haircut. Yeah. You should be able to. Yeah get what you want and so now in i have a story in college uh but, i was getting yeah, a fade i, I was getting right. I, I was, sorry <laughs> he said he does all right uh, no so in college i was getting a fade and then the there was a little power outage so he only did one side and the other <laughs> side was looking crazy so i had to wear the beanie like ti for like a week like go to the side <laughs> <laughs> hey get me on my good side <laughs> yeah that's and, why he's wearing a beanie oh, today. Hey, <laughs> yeah, it was like a power dodge. It happened like 2011 in Yuma, Arizona. Damn. It was, it was bad. That was crazy. That's like, uh, I don't know if it was in a no TV way. show, if it was in real life, but the dude was getting, he was getting braids and he got arrested mid, uh, <laughs> mid haircut. So his mugshot was half braids and then half the half wasn't done. <laughs> that was Julio. No way. Yeah, yeah, that, that's Julio. <laughs> no, but so living in Colorado, what's some of the, of the great spots to go visit? So like. We go out there. We get the budget Night approved. Life. Where will you take us? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what's the spot? In, what's the spot? In, what's the in, spot in, in Colorado? Like, like restaurants, bars. Like, what are we talking? Yeah, yeah. Like under the airport, I heard there's like some crazy stuff going on. Uh, do you have the in on that? I have. I've heard that story a couple times. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. What the story is. It sounds cool though. I don't know. Yeah, I, you gotta gotta say it's it's all in that horse statue. I think that that that's what it is. But but what what what's the spot that you the like whether it's a restaurant, uh, a bar, where you uh, uh, I guess where would you take us? Not where are you going to? Because we don't want to blow up your spot. Yeah, I'd probably take you guys. Uh, so we live we live in like Lohi, which is like the Highlands, um, just across like the river from downtown Denver. Um, we like it just because it's a little bit more of a neighborhood feel, but you're still so close to downtown. Um, there's a good like strip of bars and restaurants in Low High, um, bunch of different ones that we, you know, you can just like walk to or scooter to. The scooters are big uh, in Denver as well. Um, if not there, I'd say there's a street called Larimer Street, which is downtown. Um, since COVID, they've kind of shut down. Like cars don't even drive on there anymore. Um, mm. Tables and everything are out like on the on the street, and it's just uh, tons of lights and. Um, probably i don't know 20 restaurants like 10 bars uh just a cool place to hang out um kind of any restaurant or, or genre or food genre you can imagine um really cool speakeasy that's uh disguised as like a pie shop or like a bake shop um you kind of go in and you go like down the stairs in the back door and um yeah i mean I, not not really one place that jumps out but i think the areas uh, the different areas to, to show people are really cool 
Uh, uh, I've been to the speakeasy he's talking about. When, my, when I went to visit my brother, he took me. You go under, like, it has like wooden walls. It's like a bar in the middle. Is it that one? You got to be more specific than that. <laughs> no, like, no, the walls. They, they like, have alcohol you can buy. No, no, no. It's like, no it's, like, it's like wooden walls. Like, that's what stood out to me. It looked like it was wooden walls. Um, I know we went inside the rest. Uh, the bake shop and went under, like, it's underground. I don't know how to explain it, though, but I remember. I'm I, not sure. I, yeah. I was pretty drunk when I went inside, but I remember going, <laughs> going inside. Yeah, all you remember were the walls. The point is, the point is that he went. He's like the wall was spinning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah those are really weird place. Like the rooms are spinning. <laughs> Have you been there? Yeah. <laughs> I had a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, Something like that. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. Um, but Bridget, I know I know you had some some questions that you want to throw his way too. So so we'll throw it. This is Bridget's corner. This is a segment we've been working Bridget's on. Bridget's corner. We'll throw it up. To, we'll ice it to Bridget. Here. Um, no, so I was curious to know a little bit more about um, you and and um, your life outside of soccer, in a sense. So the first thing I I wanted to know was um, I'm curious to ask why your Instagram is private. <laughs> She's creeping. She's creeping, trying to do her research. Uh, and no, that's, only, yeah. that's only to say because I think social media is a big part of how we communicate, how we connect. And um, I know you're private. So I just wanted to know if, you, if you're willing to share, like, what the story behind that. Yeah, I just, um, so I was, like, after I turned pro, and then I kind of had, like, a steady influx of followers. And then I don't know when it was, but, like, a couple years ago, maybe three years ago, I just had, like, this like a big jump and it was just like a ton of like random people um i don't know and i just kind of like i've also like my frequency of posting and kind of just engaging in general on instagram twitter and, and everything has gone way down and um i don't really have a, a huge reason for that i mean i do feel like i've i've started to like pull more and more away from i don't know when i when i first turned pro and when you're i think i feel like everybody when you're younger you do kind of I feel like get a little bit caught up in that and kind of, you know, take a little more interest in, you know, you know, posting certain pictures or certain moments or, or, you know, certain things that are going on in your life. And I, and I, I don't know, I just feel like I've gotten away from that a little bit, but at the same time that influx and, and kind of just having so many people kind of be tuned into exactly what's going on in my life. I was just like, I don't know. I kind of feel like I prefer to have a little bit more of a gauge on who is, is seeing what I'm putting out there and, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I guess just personal preference, but um, yeah. yeah, I guess that's all I got. Yeah. Bridget wants to pay for the blue check mark. That's what she's asking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel that. I feel like there is, um, there's like pros and cons, right, to the to the social media pressure, right? Like there's a lot of like opportunities that come with it, but then also like sometimes you just want to keep things to yourself and in your circle. Um, I don't, I don't know this, but do you have, um, and I'm sure like anyone who's watching this is going to want to know like do you have a family wife and kids are you single married yeah i have a i have a wife um mentioned her earlier she we met at georgetown and then she um her family is like just outside of boston um so again kind of being in philadelphia that was not her hometown but it was close enough where we were so much more connected um at, at a like higher frequency with our families and has been one of the biggest adjustments since we've come out here is um you know, seeing your, your parents, your family is like once, twice a year, as opposed to uh, they would come to every home game in Philadelphia, at least mine would, um, you know, we would get to, to Boston a couple times a year. And, um, 
yeah, definitely been one of the things that, that we probably overlooked when, when I first got traded. Um, no kids. Uh, we've been married five years uh, this past January, um, but we do have a dog. Uh, we got a Doberman, purebred Doberman, uh, European, European lines last, just almost a year and a half. So whatever that is. Well, you're I think it was like years. August, October, something like that. But, yeah. <laughs> okay, um, shout out to you. She's been, she's, yeah, she's been great, uh, teaching us some responsibility and uh, putting some more energy and focus into somebody other than ourselves. So it's been, um, it's been a challenge. They're an active breed. They're they're a demanding breed, but it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, dogs are something else, and I think we know. I don't know about. Yeah. You just act like one. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Julio, Julio, Julio's answer is it takes one to know one. Hey, yeah. Shout out to all my dogs out there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the reason I ask is obviously um, I, I was just wondering, like, you as a professional soccer player and just in general, is there, do you feel like there's pressure to move towards, like, building a family as soon as you go pro, like having wife uh, or a partner and kids? Is that... Is that something that you feel like pressure within your work or your profession? Um, no, I don't think so. I think, um, well, obviously, you know, uh, especially us, you know, we've waited quite a while now, uh, both, both of us close to 30 and we just really enjoyed our time together being married and, and not having kids. Um, you know, we've been, uh, you know, so like so much more availability to travel, to go and do um, some things that we know that we won't feel, well, you know, you still can with kids, but it's just different. I think a lot of things change when you have kids, your time, your energy is, it's all about them. Um, you know, they, they really kind of run the show after that. So, um, but no, uh, you know, we haven't felt that, um, you know, part of my, uh, my feeling, and then I've shared with my wife too, is a part of me would love for our kids or, or kid or, um, you know, however many to, for them to be able to witness what I do for a living, like firsthand, um, you know, have that moment that you see so many professional athletes have out on the, the court or the field and, and, uh, you know, a walkout before the national anthem or, um, coming down on the field after the game and kind of just having those moments together, or even when they're not really, really young, like, you know, four five, six, when they can actually maybe remember that for the rest of their lives. And, um, just knowing how impactful my dad was on me and, um, and little things that I look back on playing in the backyard, uh, him coming to games when I was younger or coaching or little moments or watching tape of him when I was like, you know, seven or getting up to run with him in the morning before school. when I was like 12 at like four 30 in the morning and stuff like that. So and those little things, I think, yeah, there's, that is, is the only thing that I think about in terms of some sort of like pressure or motivation to, to start a family sooner. Um, but I guess it's just a challenge for me to, to continue to try and play as long as I can to, to make that a possibility. So if your family or your wife's family give you pressure about or ask you that question again, just uh, tell them to watch the video out here, watch the end, <laughs> so you can get the answers. <laughs> you, could, you could plug us in and be like, oh, you yeah. should actually watch Urban Pitch. <laughs> <laughs> No, but, but I think Bridget's asking that question because all the players that we have uh, uh, have family. She's she's asked, she's wondering where the single players are at. Is, yeah, no, I'm. Is there I'm a soccermeet.com? No, <laughs> my I'm curious to know like what what do your single teammates look for in a wife? <laughs> I'm asking for a friend. For a friend, she's for asking a friend. for a friend. Not for me. It's not me. But if it was, <laughs> shoot, shoot her some Instagrams, please. <laughs> 
trying to get a player. <laughs> Preferably not on private, not, not private no. Instagram. <laughs> I mean, I think they're more loyal if they're private. Oh, okay. Ooh, so. oh, okay. <laughs> Green flag? But let's, let's go ahead. Ke- Keegan, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> Let us know. We want to know. <laughs> oh, my, my thoughts on what? Sorry. What do, what do you think your, your teammates that are single look for in, like, that, that person that's going to be their partner, their future partners? <laughs> um, I would say, you know, I think in, in our profession, it's uh, you just want somebody that's going to support you. I feel like that's pretty much any profession, right? Or, like, or anything that your spouse is going to do as well. You know, you want to you want to have somebody that you can come home to or somebody that is always going to be on your side, always going to be somebody that supports you, encourages you or gives you what you need. I just, um, yesterday I sent this, uh, this post, I'm a huge golf guy. So I follow the, the PGA tour on Instagram and Jordan Spieth was talking about his wife. And so he started his career in like, oh, I don't even know, 2013 or something. And burst onto the scene, won a couple majors, won like a ton early on in his career. And now has kind of experienced a bit of a dip in form and is kind of getting back to where he was and just spoke about coming home one day. And, and he, he was speaking about his wife in general, but he said, you know, I'm going to have to put in a lot more hours than, than what you've seen before. And he goes on to speak about her for like a minute and just kind of said, like, you know, he can remember so many times it, uh, vividly that, that she's been there for him or she's, come to him and said, like, you know, I'm, I'm here for you. Whatever you need, just let me know. Like, if it's too much, let me know. If it's too little, let me know. Just let me know what you need. I'm here for you because, you know, he was expressing, this is what I want. Like, this is what I want right now. And um, I don't know, that kind of that kind of support system. And, you know, especially for us now, being away from our families, we're kind of, you know, it. And, and I think that partnership and um, the way you learn to, to support each other like that is, is what marriage and, and what, you know, finding someone is all about. And I think that's probably deeper than the, than the guys that are single right now are thinking, but I think that's, that's what people are after is, uh, is that, is that support system. You know, I think one way or another, some, you know, those guys are turning to somebody else for that right now, best friend or, you know, a sibling or, or their parents. And, um, you know, hopefully that, that spouse or that person is, is going to take over that role. And, um, and it goes both ways, you know, it's not, it's not because we're athletes. It's not because, you know, all we need is somebody at home to tell us we're great and to tell us, oh, you played so well and, oh, you looked good tonight on the field. It's, I mean, my wife will give it to me straight, like after a couple mm-hmm. bad plays or like, you know, me being switched off on a, on a couple of moments. And um, I'll also, she'll also be the first to say that I'm not sometimes great at hearing that, but it's good to hear, you know, you need to hear it. And uh, yeah, it's, um I don't know. I don't know if they would answer the same thing to that, but I think that's, I think that's what I would say. Knowledge bomb. That's yeah, what, that's that's what I was just about no, to say. We're going to clip that and yeah, that's a make great it answer. go viral. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to I'm all a, the men. I'm going to put that on my dating profile. He's going to pull that verbatim. The whole paragraph. <laughs> your main picture. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, Keegan, this has been, this has been amazing. Um, we're, we're running out of time here. Um, but, uh, you know, just want to thank you one more time for, for taking the time to, to join us and uh, share some perspective on all things. I mean, I didn't think, you know, that this is what we were going to be ending on to, uh, tonight. But um, I think, you know, it, 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 those, this is great. Just great stuff to hear. Um, but uh, we wish you the best of luck. And um, now I know what we're going to do when, when we hit the, when we hit the Colorado. We're going to we're going to play some golf because 
Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still pretty, pretty terrible, but you know, I love getting out there. Um, so that's, that's the move I think, uh, <laughs> when we come out that way. Um, but, uh, once again, thank you so much for, for taking the time. No, thank you guys. And, um, sorry if some of the, the feedback or like me getting in at the right time was off. I maybe had missed a couple of things you guys said, but thank you guys. This has been, it's been a lot of fun. It's been super easy. So you guys are great. No, thank you. We appreciate it. And good luck on Saturday. Um, we know you're playing LAFC, so uh, we'll be watching. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're going we're gonna to need it, man. They're good, so we'll need it. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, thank, thank you again, Keegan, for, for, for joining the podcast. This has been the Urban Bitch Podcast, a beautiful game of life, part of the Believe Network. For Keegan Rosenberry, Julio Monterosa, Bridget Flores, I'm Ramsey Abushala. Keep it top down. We got more episodes for you. But until then... Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.